Good evening. Good to see you here this evening. Thanks for coming to spend a little bit of time with us. And let me say Merry Christmas. I hope you have a, a wonderful holiday weekend, a wonderful Christmas. We've been looking here uh, in our current sermon series about the angels. And when the angels broke into the human scene, I don't know if you are paying attention to the um, you know the news, but UFOs are back in the news. Have you seen this? Maybe they've always been in the news. Anybody here been abducted by, you don't have to answer that. <clears throat> but uh, if you, if you want to know if there is uh, other earthly life, there is, and there are angels. Angels were created by God, <clears throat> and they were created not for this world, not for this world, but for another world. And so, if someone says, I don't believe in, uh, uh, you know, extraterrestrials or aliens, you can say, well, yeah, there are angels. And the only two ever named in the Bible, uh, there's one called Michael, Michael the archangel. He's mentioned, uh, you know, in the book of Daniel, the book of Jude, the book of Revelation. He's a great warrior, great fighter. He leads God's armies against the enemy. He's the one that was responsible for uh, <clears throat> defeating uh, Satan, Lucifer, the angel uh, who, who led a rebellion against God. And there's also the Christmas angel. And the Christmas angel, you might know him. I don't know if anybody know who the Christmas angel is. His name is what? Gabriel. That's right. We see Gabriel actually not just at Christmas time, but we see him back in the, in the uh, book of Daniel as well. And uh, Gabriel had the privilege of introducing uh, God, really, in a personal, up-close way to some important people in the first century. You know, there, there's angel activity all through the Bible, the Old Testament, but right there, when you, when you flip the page to Matthew, the New Testament, there is a flurry of activity there, angelic activity. It's almost like God was saying, uh, you know, let's go. Let, it's go time. Let's do this. <clears throat> so these angels, mostly Gabriel, but as we're going to see here, a whole host of angels appeared to humanity. <clears throat> and we've been looking at those moments. We've been looking at when the angel had something to say to somebody who played a very important part in the birth or the, birth or the life of Jesus. And, uh, and so he talked to Zechariah, Gabriel did, and said, God heard your prayers, and God's going to give your wife a child. You're going to name him. Anybody remember the name of Zechariah and Elizabeth's son? His name was going to be John. John was the one who was known for baptizing. And then uh, Gabriel appeared to Mary, and uh, Gabriel told Mary, you're going to have the Son of God. And Mary said, how can this be? Because I've never, I've never been with a man. <clears throat> and, the, and the angel said, don't worry, with God, all things are what? Possible. Nothing is impossible with God. And so she believed, she submitted to that. And, uh, and then uh, Gabriel had to appear. Sorry about my mic. I don't know. We, I thought we just changed batteries, but uh, bear with us. Uh, presumably, this was Gabriel, although Gabriel's not named here, but we believe this is Gabriel, who appeared to Joseph. And Joseph said, uh, he had already said, I'm going to divorce this woman because she's been unfaithful to me. But Gabriel told Joseph, don't be afraid. Don't hesitate to marry Mary, merrily. Y'all know little Landon? 
uh, threw that other Mary on him, and he, he spelled it right. Today, we're going to look at uh, the greatest, I think, passage, this Christmas passage that we, that we read about, and it's Luke chapter 2. And of course, it was already read to us in that animated bumper video. <clears throat> Luke is that annoying to anybody besides me? Is it annoying? Okay, all right, I'm going to do the thing then. I'm going to do the Number five here, number five, we got it. This one won't give up on us. So uh, we're in Luke chapter two. This is, uh, this is the story of the angels appearing to the shepherds. You know, that's really what the song Go Tell It on the Mountain is about. It's about the angels telling the shepherds, hey, here's the news. You're the first to hear this, and uh, you need to go spread the news about the, the good news, about this great joy that's coming to everybody because of the baby who's been born. <clears throat> so here's what they said. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. But the part we want to focus on is the part a little bit further down and it is, uh, says this, and I want you to read this with me, okay? Okay, to Tony, I'm going to turn this, I'm going to get this closer to my mouth so you can turn it down. I don't want to uh, overwhelm people. So I want you to read this with me out loud, okay? All right, here we go. Glory, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. <clears throat> so that's our message today. We've been talking about what God comes through with when he interrupts the scene, <clears throat> brings an angel angel to the, to the humanity. So when God gives peace, does anybody here need any peace? Anybody here want any peace? Everybody's good with, the, with your life? We all need some peace, don't we? Maybe some peace and quiet. Maybe, maybe you need some peace in a relationship or peace in your heart, peace in your soul, peace of mind. Peace is one of those things we all like and we all need. It kind of reminds me, you know, uh, that, that we'll do anything to have peace. Uh, we'll do anything, and we should. We should do whatever it takes to have peace. It reminds me of the guy and his, uh, who, and his wife who retired, and they downsized their house and moved to a, a, a neighborhood, a smaller home, and they, it was only uh, when school started back in session that they realized they were near a middle school. And this middle school let out every day, same time, and these, these boys, the first week of school, they were walking past uh, this couple's house, and uh, they were tearing it up. I mean, uh, they were kicking trash cans and uh, banging on mailboxes, and they were doing all sorts of things, making all kinds of noise, hooping and hollering <clears throat> all the way down the street. And the guy goes out there, and he's like, what in the world is going on? This goes on for a week, and he, he's, he realizes these, these kids, this is what they do. So he went out there on day one, uh, day one of the second week, and he said, listen, guys, 
man, I love you guys. I love what you're doing. You're all middle schoolers, right? And, uh, and I'll tell you what, you all need money. I, if you'll keep doing what you're doing, I'll give you all five bucks every day you pass by my house. Just keep doing what you're doing. I mean, bang those trash cans and those mailboxes and hoop and holler all the way down. And so uh, the next day, the boys did it and stopped at his house, and sure enough, he gave them $5 bills, every one of them. On the second day they did this, the guy came out there, the boys were banging it up and hooping and hollering, and the guy came out there and said, look, fellas, uh, you know, this, uh, this inflation deal is really getting to me. And I, uh, we've done the math back here in the house, and we don't think we can give you five bucks. We can give you a dollar, though. We'll give you a dollar. Every one of you get a dollar. I mean, it's still a dollar, right? Paper money. And so they said, oh, okay, and so they did it. And then the next day they came by, the guy went out there, and he said, fellas, I, I just got to tell you, this, this inflation, man, the grocery stores really cost us money. We just don't have the money to give you a dollar. I tell you what, we'll give you each a quarter. We'll give you each a quarter. If when you walk by, you'll, you'll bang on the trash cans and the mailboxes. And uh, well, the boys looked at each other. And one of them said, if you think we're going to do that for a quarter, you must be out of your mind. And the man enjoyed peace and quiet the rest of his days. So, you know, really, whatever you got to do to have peace... Uh, you got to do it, even if it means being smarter than an eighth grader. Do we have any eighth graders in the house here tonight? <clears throat> any eighth graders? Seventh graders. Do we have anybody who used to be an eighth grader? You know what they say about eighth graders? They say those eighth grade boys especially, uh, they don't have a brain or a soul. You just got to get them through to ninth grade. <clears throat> and I want to tell you something, Rusty. I love that song. It wouldn't be Christmas without... Uh, without that, and I know you're not in eighth grade, but uh, I know maybe you coach eighth graders sometimes, right? So Rusty can verify for me. And so here's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about peace tonight. I want to talk about getting peace. Now we've we've mistakenly understood this verse that we just read, "Glory to God in the highest," to believe that the angels were telling the shepherds, "When you get the baby." the Son of God, there will be peace on the earth. And we sing about it. It's a lot of our songs. That's not really what the angels said. In fact, I'm going to show you the King James Version, which I love. I grew up on the King James Version of the Bible. But the King James Version translators put the comma in the wrong place. They did. Let me see that verse. They put the comma in the wrong place. They said, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Goodwill toward men. And that's not really a good translation of what the original Greek says. In fact, it's a good idea to think that there would be on earth peace at the coming of this newborn son, this newborn king, but it's not true. Now, I hate to burst your Christmas bubble tonight, but I want to get you somewhere. All right, I want to take you somewhere, and I want to burst the bubble that people have, that you may have, that maybe your neighbors have, that just because it's Christmas time, there's got to be peace. And so we've commercialized Christmas in such a way that everybody's nice to each other, and that's not a bad thing, but I want to tell you the truth today. Jesus said in Luke chapter 12 and in Matthew chapter 10 that he did not come to bring peace. Did you know that? Have you ever read that verse? He said, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. I came to bring 
division. Now, what does this mean for us? What this means is what Jesus knew is that when he comes into your life, when you go all in with him, there's probably going to be some people who, who aren't happy with you. There's probably, going to, there's probably going to be some people who are working for the other side who are going to give you a little bit of resistance. The world is not going to all of a sudden lay down and say, oh, you got Jesus. I'm going to give you some peace. I'm going to lay off of you. I'm not going to disturb you. I'm not going to bother you. I'm not going to harass you. That's not what Jesus said. He didn't say he came to bring peace to the world. The Bible says he came to bring peace among those with whom he is pleased. That's what the Bible says. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 29, 11, may the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. As Jesus was preparing to leave his disciples, you know what he told them? He said in John 14, he said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Now Jesus wouldn't have said that if he knew their life was going to be all peace. He knew there was trouble coming. In fact, a couple chapters later in John 16, he said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have, what's that word? What are you going to have in this world? I'm sorry, you guys aren't helping me any. What are you going to have in this world? Tribulation. There you go. You're going to have tribulation. But what can you have in Jesus? You can have peace. He didn't say he brought peace to the world. He said he'd overcome the world. And he said, you could have peace in him. Now, for a few minutes, I want to talk about these shepherds. Some scholars believe these shepherds and the hillsides around Bethlehem who first received the news from the angels were the shepherds who were tending the lambs who would be offered uh, on the sacrificial altars in the city of Bethlehem. That those were the guys who were uh, tending those sheep for the upcoming festivals. And these guys didn't have a great reputation. You know, maybe you played a shepherd in, uh, in your childhood Christmas play, and that's, that's okay. I did too, but I also got to play a wise guy one time, you know, and that was good. And it, despite the fact that their ancestral hero, David, was a shepherd boy who became a king, there weren't a whole lot of young boys who aspired to be shepherds. They wanted to be more like how David finished his life and not how David started his life. Shepherds had a reputation of being unclean uh, in uh, both of body and of soul. A shepherd's testimony wasn't even accepted in a court of law in the first century, according to what I've read. They were only allowed, when it came to the temple, in the courtyard area to sell their sheep. Their lives were mostly boring and thankless. I spent a little time over in the, uh, in the Middle East in, my, uh, army, in an army uniform, and I got to see real live shepherds. And they were, uh, you know, they, these guys were out there uh, day and night. They were out there, uh, you know, just a boring job, just walking and just, uh, just standing and watching their sheep. It, it had to be maybe the job you just had to settle for. And maybe that's all there was in the first century. But I want to share something with you that may seem in, insignificant, but is quite significant. These guys, though the lowest on the totem pole, 
were the first to hear the news about the newborn baby. Now you think about this. If you're a skeptic, if you're here, you're just celebrating the story or you're celebrating Christmas, but you don't really know if the Bible, this Bible thing's true, if there's really a God who loves me and sent Jesus to the earth. Think about this. <clears throat> think about if you wanted in the first century to make a big statement, to make a declaration, to make an announcement, you wouldn't start with the lowest on the totem pole. You wouldn't start by giving the news to the shepherds. They're the ones that people didn't even believe half the time. You guys have been drinking too much eggnog. You're out in the fields out there. You're, you don't even know what you're doing. You're having hallucinations. No, if you wanted to make a big announcement, you'd start with a king. You might have told Herod before you told the Magi. But Jesus wasn't, didn't come into the world this way. God told the shepherds. Now, if you want to legitimize the New Testament, this is the kind of thing the New Testament writers did. They told the truth. It's just like the women being the first at the tomb. Women weren't believable either in that day. And so they wouldn't be the first to bring that news. It's just like the New Testament writers revealing the fact that Jesus just called his right-hand man, Peter, Satan, get behind me. You see, that's the New Testament. They just told the truth, and the shepherds were the first to hear it. So I'm back to my original question. They must have needed it. The people of the world need it. Do you need a little peace in your life? I want to tell you how to have it. Here's how to have it. It's really simple, but we're going to break it down into four steps. <clears throat> Here's how you have it. It's the same thing the angels told the shepherds. Give God the glory. Glory to God in the highest. Give God all the glory in your life. You'd be surprised how much peace you'd have in your heart and in your relationships if you stopped taking all the credit and you gave God the credit. You gave God the glory. You, gave, you leaned on God for the good times and the bad times. So how do you do that? How do you give God the glory? Well, the shepherds tell us the story of the... New Testament story of the Christmas tells us the first thing is to be joyful. Be joyful. That's what the angel said. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great, what's that word? Joy. That will be for all the people. Being joyful doesn't mean a fake smile or acting a certain way. It means knowing down in your heart who you are and what God has done for you. And regardless of your circumstances, God loves you. I'm a child of God. Be joyful about that doesn't matter what happens tomorrow. Secondly, be grateful. Gratitude is a thing that seems to be being pushed out of our culture. Gr gratitude. People, <clears throat> instead of saying thank you, they're like, you owed that to me. You owed that to me. This sense of entitlement is, seems to be more common than a sense of gratitude. Thank you. Thank you for doing that for me. Worship team, thank you for serving. S a couple of them got get paid to do this, but a lot of them are up here just volunteering. We should be grateful, shouldn't we? Thank you is such a, is such a powerful thing. It's such a powerful thing. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul wrote, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And then a chapter later, he said, Thanks be to God. For his inexpressible gift. His inexpressible gift. 
That's right. Thanks be to God. I don't know if you guys remember a little gymnast who was in the Olympics a couple years ago or a couple Olympics back named Gabby Douglas. You remember her? Anybody remember her? Little Gabby Douglas? I was, I was watching TV when she was asked this question, and I'll, I'll never forget it. And it's, of course, been uh, memorialized, you know, uh, all over, uh, you know, the Internet and everywhere. If you, if you search for her, if you search for her name, this is what you get. Someone asked her, one of the reporters asked her, what, what is the reason for your success? And she said, and I think we have a picture of her here, she said, I give all the glory to God. It's kind of a win-win situation. The glory goes up to him, and the blessings fall down on me. Isn't that a great way to live? Whatever good thing happened, whatever bad things happen in your life, give God the glory for it. Give God the glory. If it's a bad thing, God, I know you're making something out of me. I know you care about me. I know you won't leave me. I know you're not going to abandon me in my greatest time, and it reminds me, my greatest trial reminds me that you're right here beside me. And in my good days, in my successful days, in my victories, God, I know, I know you're the reason that I have these victories. So all the glory goes to him, and all the blessings fall down on me. Isn't that a wonderful way to live? Henry Ward Beecher, a preacher of another generation, said, Gratitude is the fairest blossom which springs from the soul. I like what one old country preacher said. He said, Gratitude is an attitude that will determine your altitude. And that's so true, isn't it? So uh, be joyful, be grateful. <clears throat> Thirdly, be worshipful. You want to give God the glory? Be worshipful. You want your problems to dissipate, to, to slide into the background or to slide off of your main vision? If you want the anxiety in your life to subside, then put your eyes on Jesus. Amen? Put your eyes on the one who is bigger than all your problems. That's what we should do. Spend time in worship. We should read God's word. We should pray. We should sing. It's the stuff we know that we should be doing. It's the elementary age stuff. It's the Sunday school stuff we should be doing, but we so often neglect to do. Be worshipful. I love what the Bible says about these shepherds. After they visited the newborn king, they left after they told everybody what they'd experienced, the Bible says they went back to their sheep, glorifying and praising God. They were a little bit more upbeat than they were before the angels appeared. I expect from that night on, their lives were full of worship and wonder. If God would do that through us, God can do anything through us. Be worshipful. Be worshipful. Don't forget the reason for the season. And I hate to throw out a cliche, but really it's so meaningful because that's where our eyes should be. Lastly, be faithful. You mean faithfulness? My faithfulness has a part in my peace? Absolutely it does. I wanted to look at what the verse actually says. <clears throat> the verse says, Glory to God on the highest, in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. You know who's going to get the peace? You know who's going to weather the storm? You know who's going to be okay when all the world around him is in turmoil and turbulence? You know who's going to be all right when Satan fires a fiery dart into your life, into your marriage, into your family? You know who's going to be okay? The family 
a family that pleases God. The man of God, the woman of God, the children of God, that's who's going to be okay by being faithful. You know, that's, that's what the Bible says. We are saved. Some people say, no, no, it doesn't have anything to do with what you do. It doesn't have anything. Absolutely it does. Remember, God didn't part the water until they showed some faith. The Bible says we are saved by grace through faith. We're saved through faith. That's what Hebrews 11 says. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. It's impossible to please God. Revelation chapter 2, verse 10, Jesus didn't say, hey, just, just sit down and hunker down and circle the wagons. He, he didn't say, hey, times are going to get tough. You just need to hold on. You just need to hang on. He didn't say that. He said, be faithful until you retire. And then, no, he didn't say that. He said, be faithful until when? Till death. When can we stop being faithful? We never do. And he'll give us the crown of life. Maybe I've jumped the gun a little bit. Maybe you're not a believer in Jesus. How can you be faithful if you're not a believer? I'm going to invite you today to put your trust and your faith in Jesus Christ. That's what I'm going to invite you to do. What better time to do it? What better time to do it? Last week I was preaching at our Taze Valley campus and I had a whole family come up to me and said, you know what? We've always believed, but we've never done anything about it. And this very weekend, they are all giving their lives to Jesus Christ and they're all going to be baptized this very weekend at our Taze Valley campus. And, and maybe... I think the water's a little cold over there. They might be here tomorrow. They, the Bible says, put your faith and your trust in Jesus because in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. This is Colossians 1. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. If you're not a believer, I'm going to invite you to put your faith and your trust in Jesus. If you are a believer which I think there are a lot of people who believe, but they've never done anything about it. And the Bible says faith without works is what? <laughs> is it dead? <laughs> Why are you doing that? How do you express your faith? I'm going to wrap up. Express your faith by your confession. You know, the Bible says you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. So you ought to talk about it. You ought to make a statement about it. We express our faith also in our repentance. Repentance is me saying, you know what, I've been living for myself. I've been chasing my own path, my own pursuit. I need to turn around, and I need to go to, to God's path. I need to, I need to pursue what he wants me to pursue. Again, we express our faith by being baptized into Christ. It's a symbol. The Bible, you know, I got a new coat for Christmas. One of my daughters got me a new coat. Or did all of you get me that coat? I got a new coat regardless. And uh, it's nice and warm. <clears throat> I hope it stays cold now for a few days and so I can wear my coat. Bible compares baptism to put, like putting on a new coat. You're safe. You're warm. You're protected. 
Besides, it's a beautiful picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That's what Paul says in Romans chapter 6. And I say this because there are a lot of you who are believers, and you may have said you're believers, but that's where you've stopped. You've never expressed your faith in baptism. And uh, I want to tell you, baptism, baptism in water was the, was the, la- the first thing Jesus did when he started his ministry. And the last thing he commanded when he ended his earthly ministry. Let that sink in. It was the first thing he did and the last thing he commanded. And we express our faith through that. And finally, we express our faith through a life of trust and obedience. You might have grown up like I did in an old country church. And one of the songs we sang, and I want you to help me out here. I'm going to leave some blanks and you fill them in. Uh, When we trust and obey trust and there is no other to be happy in than to trust and obey and that's so true you want some peace in your life this christmas this is where you start give god the glory i've told you how to do it i want to invite you to do it this evening so would you stand up and here's what we're going to do i'm going to pray i'm going to pray for you to get started in this if you're not And as the uh, team here leads us in our closing song, if you're a believer in Christ and you wish to partake of communion, I'm going to ask you to uh, go to the tables and get your communion and bring them back as we finish the song. If you don't have a candle, that's a good time to grab the candle. So I'm giving the guys a little time. They need to get that communion out here. So I'm going to pray, and I want you to go to the tables and get your communion. Come back. We're going to take communion this evening in unison. We're going to take it all together, okay? So wait for me before you take it. Lord, thank you so much for your goodness and grace. Thank you so much, God, for this Christmas Eve, for this service where we can lay out the gospel message, where we can explain to people that Jesus uh, came to give us peace in our hearts, peace with God, to make peace between us and God. And he did that by going to the cross. And Lord, right now, tonight, we can claim that, we can have that. And if there's anybody here, Lord, who's never, ever uh, expressed their faith, I pray that they do it tonight. Whatever step they need to take, I pray tonight would be the night they would do that. And we remember your body and your blood. We're going to get ready and partake, Lord, in just a minute. And we just thank you. We're thankful for your sacrifice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.